believe that your personal life and your professional life are inherently linked. And when you do the work on both sides, you can become the most successful version of yourself. This is a place where wisdom meets leadership, where success meets spirituality. Welcome to Do the Work with Denise Love Hewitt. What a gift and an honor it is to be sitting here with Tina Lifford. Tina is one of the most enlightened humans I know. She exudes wisdom and grace. You may know her as Aunt Vi on Queen Sugar, but she's not only an accomplished actress, but the founder of the Inner Fitness Project, which is pioneering the well-being industry. She's also a licensed hypnotherapist and spiritual counselor, and she truly embodies integration. And I have learned so much from her, and I'm so excited to have you here. Denise, it's so nice to be here as well. It's nice to be here, but it's even nicer that our paths bumped into one another, you know, uh, a few years ago, and that we've been able to stay connected and grow in that connection. I love it. Oh, same. It was a big, big gift from the universe. I know magic is real because I met Tina. And uh, as you're going to learn in this podcast today, she has said so many things that now as I look back seem very obvious, but at the time were truly groundbreaking in terms of the way that I think and how I applied a lot of those philosophies to not only myself, but to my work. So thank you for that. So would you just share with the audience what is inner fitness? Yeah, well, you know, inner fitness is developing the mental, emotional, spiritual skills and practices that foster resilience, allow you to resolve inner issues and relieve stress so that you can live well and thrive. So that's the basic definition. Uh, but in terms of sort of really understanding inner fitness, you just think about inner fitness the way you think about physical fitness. We all understand the importance at this point globally of the impact that physical fitness, that's diet and exercise, has on our overall health and uh, our wellness and our physical resilience, right? Inner fitness takes the position that our internal well-being, that mental, emotional, and spiritual self that we are, is equally, if not more important, because there is not an exercise routine in the world or a magical diet that helps you to resolve the unresolved uh, experiences that are captured inside of us and begin to distort us if we don't give them the time and attention they and I think what's so cool and important about what you've done is you've made it very tangible. I love thinking about my mental health as like a daily workout in the same way that I treat my body, I treat my mind, whether that's like, there's a bunch of different modalities you can subscribe to, but the language you have developed through inner fitness, I think is unique because your point of view makes us feel like it's very accessible. There's a lot of flowery words in psychology or therapy. And I think people often feel like, oh, uh, uncomfortable uh, around going there. And you've made it really quick and easy to apply to your life. That was really intentional because you are talking to uh, what used to be a spiritual mama. You know, the idea of spirituality, 
uh, is deeply ingrained in me. But with it came a bunch of flowery language that separated me from my ability to have meaningful, actionable, helpful conversations with people who thought I was just talking, you know, mookity-mook or airy-fairy BS. And so spending as much time as I have spent in my uh, spiritual pursuits and discovering that as powerful as my spiritual perspective was and is and continues to grow, there are very real physical, physiological, mental things that must be incorporated into our way of thinking about ourselves in order for us to truly access uh, the deepest spiritual realm where everything is integrated, where our sense of ourselves is whole, and where we are able to navigate and function in a world and thrive regardless of the circumstances we are meeting. And so I have, I've worked diligently on getting the language to a point where it makes sense, you know, it just makes sense that we should give our inner health uh, and well-being the same kind of time and attention that we give to the physical wellness of our body. Can you take us to the beginning of sort of the kernel of this idea when you decided to pursue inner fitness, not just on your personal level, but to bring it to the world? Sort of how did that start? Where did that come from? I know you've been studying for a long time. You've more than your more than 10,000 hours in this space. But I'd love to sort of go to back to the beginning and sort of take us through because I know it's been a long, a long road. Yeah, it, it has been a long road. And I would say that it even started back, you know, as early as the second grade. And what I mean by that is I literally would walk to school, hugging the edge of the sidewalk. I was walking on a tightrope because I wanted to leave room for my invisible friend. And that invisible friend was God. And that notion, it kept growing and morphing and changing And somewhere in my 20s, it became really important that that notion of an unseen presence, an unseen intelligence that I was happy to call God, but I needed to make sure that I had my own understanding and relationship and I wasn't just living with what had been given me because that's what religion does. Religion gives you concepts. It gives you a a frame through which to see. But the ownership of your spirituality is a very personal endeavor. And it is one that is earned. You know, you have to engage with yourself. You have to engage with uh, the concepts. You have to struggle, you know, to move from your conditioned uh, familial uh, ideas into a ownership of who and what you believe. And in that journey, I was drawn to, people have always called me a old soul. And 
I do feel like there's a lot that I know that I didn't necessarily learn in this lifetime. I feel that way too, often. I feel that way too, where I'm like, how do I know this? Yes, yes. exactly, exactly. And so very in my 20s, I started uh, doing workshops for women. And those workshops were called Totally Fabulous Woman. And um, I quickly discovered that that name did not have uh, a longevity factor because so many people did not feel totally fabulous. Actually, that was back in the 90s. And the openness to uh, spirituality or the openness to sharing authentically, that was just not present. You know, people, a lot of women felt like they did not want to come to, you know, a circle of women and talk about their problems, which is not what the intention has ever been. But just that resistance spoke to where we were culturally. And then it morphed from that into waking up fabulous. And, you know, because, of course, everyone wants to wake up fabulous, right? And then the problem for me with Waking Up Fabulous was that it was excluded. It, it just the title left men out. And if we're going to talk about wellness or well-being, because when I, when I think of inner fitness, I use the term well-being uh, as opposed to wellness. And wellness is fine. It works, you know. Uh, but wellness is so... Historically, it's so associated with physical wellness. And I really want to uh, draw attention to and focus on well-being. And I do believe that what I'm about to say is a um, law in the universe that just has not been scientifically confirmed. But uh, I get pieces of it have. When we are in search of, and we dare to use this brain, use our very being, I'll use the word aura, uh, but use our very being as a instrument for uh, navigating and finding answers. The best way to do that is to ask a compelling question. I call them EEQs, effective and empowering questions. When you ask a question, and um, I think that Einstein talked a lot about this, uh, a number of creatives have talked about how, you know, when their mind is trying to find an answer and they're in that questioning, a lot of times the way in which it comes through is when they are either asleep or they are sort of in flow and disconnected from the working machinations of the problem or the question. And I have been asking, 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 asking. And when I say asking, that to me is a spiritual technology. I literally encourage people to speak out loud in the form of questions with and open heart. Can you just repeat that again? Because I think that's really important. I just want to drive it home. Yeah. Speak out loud with a well-formed question that is supported by an open heart. Oof. Right? That is beautiful. 
Yeah, it's powerful too. And so I had been asking, what is the best way to be in this well-being conversation? What must I do? Who must I become to be, you know, a truly contributing part of this conversation? And one morning I woke up and literally quite often before I awake, as I am moving into consciousness, behind my eyes, I see a, an entire universe, literally, you know, with my eyes closed, there's this darkness and all these points of light that are much like you see when you go into a planetarium or you look up at the sky at night. Um, and this morning, as I uh, moved through that darkness in those points of light, literally the words inner fitness were like right here on my eyelids, you know, inner fitness. And I opened my eyes and literally went, that's it. In two simple words, it spoke to everything that, you know, I believe in and had been trying to articulate. And when I saw that, I didn't just see the answer to the question I had been asking. I saw a whole possibility for mankind. If we can, if we can be as aware of inner fitness as we are physical fitness, and if we become aware of the smorgasbord that of, of modalities that is available to us to practice and strengthen our inner fitness, the way we are now accustomed to the number of different ways that we can engage in strengthening our physical fitness. If we know that that's a possibility, then there will be the same millions of people buying into taking a proactive approach to their inner fitness, the way physical fitness now lives on the planet. And that idea was so freaking compelling to me that it literally from, I, I probably had that uh, inner fitness uh, wake up moment. I would think it was probably 2008, but the way in which it has charged my life from that moment to now, it hasn't waned, it just increases. And I feel that from you. And if you all should go take one of Tina's workouts, if you go, they're quite incredible. You have a, a whole bunch of, how many workouts now? We have on our roster 10 workouts. And in the vision of the uh, business, the Inner Fitness Project, we expect to, at any point, you can come and take, I, I, there's at least 50 in my head, but what, what will wind up as our basic workouts, I'm sure that there'll be at least 20 different workouts that people can choose from. Uh, and all of them, every single workout, and I'll explain what a workout is. Again, borrowing from the physical fitness model, people have become accustomed to and even look forward to that 60 minutes that they give to themselves 
to do a physical workout, to strengthen their body. A lot of people are managing stress that way. Uh, a lot of people are managing the internal overwhelm that they don't know what else to do with. And rather than do drugs or something else harmful, they uh, use physical fitness. And so our workouts are, you know, uh, a place where your yoga mat or your uh, workout mat is actually your journal. Uh, and we create a way of questioning um, using prompts and um, scenarios that allow you to meet yourself right where you are and to explore the you that is present today or present in this um, season or phase or a particular circumstance that you're meeting in your life. So a few years ago when we met, you walked me through one of your sort of guiding principles, the surviving self, the thriving self, and the infinite self. And what was so cool about this, we'll explain it to you in one second, was that when you explained this to me, it was such an, an immediate aha. And what's so cool, having been to you know your workouts, you see people having those ahas in real time. And it's pretty profound because usually, you know, sometimes it's three days later, a week later, three months later. You don't necessarily always have that instant moment. But I would love you to take the audience through just because it is so profound and it was such a principle that helped me as an entrepreneur who's oftentimes in a surviving lens or the founder's mentality. You sometimes come from the lens of scarcity uh, not intentionally, but it just feels like everything's so hard. And you're just trying to cover your bases. And when you when you shared this with me, it immediately changed how I operated in my business um, and in my body. But really, it was something as an entrepreneur who struggles. It was it was easy to apply. And so I would love to just share what that is with the audience from from your mouth. Right. Yeah. So um, I'll first say that uh, those aha moments that you're talking about. Those moments drive everything for me because we all know how powerful an aha moment is. You know, a good aha truly can shift and transform your life. And so, as I said, you know, I, I navigate the world. I navigate my, my dreams and desires and intentions with questions. So my question was, how can... Uh, we deliver aha moments. What are the kinds of concepts and um, self, self, self? I, I won't go into the dream that actually gave me self, self, self. But you can certainly buy my book, the little book of big lies. I go into it in detail in uh, the little book of big lies, and so. From that dream, when I woke up from that dream, I named, I saw in the dream these three aspects of myself. And when I woke up, I named them. And now they are the surviving self, the thriving self, and the infinite self. And the surviving self is that part of us that is always in worry, doubt, and fear. It operates, it is most comfortable when it is looking for what's wrong. 
the idea of being at war with self and anything and everything else is normal and natural to the surviving self. It is its comfort zone. And it's, there's a really good reason for that. And that is because the surviving self is our most um, conscious um, relationship to date. It is the, the surviving self is um, it has been forming through the development of the nervous system for 500 million years. You know, so that reptilian uh, fight, flight or freeze mechanism, it is the frame through which the surviving self sees everything. And um, and that's not a bad thing. You know, that mechanism, that hyper alert way of being with self in the world, it has gotten us from, you know, being a one cell amoeba to these trillion cells being that we are. But also it left us with a very narrow way of operating. And now that we have the frontal lobe, the, the mid frontal lobe, and that we have the ability to self-observe and decision make and have greater uh, self-agency and awareness. This part of us needs now more room to A, show us what it's capable of and B, effectively manage, share space, and even take space away from the surviving self. We want to keep the surviving self, but we want it to work for us and not feel like it is always having to drive our lives for fear and protection, right? And the infinite self and, and, and the thriving self, the thriving self, you can recognize the thriving self. We all operate with the thriving self. It is that part of us that accesses, that lives from, that actually makes concepts like freedom or optimism, openness, curiosity, expectation, enthusiasm, generosity, uh, gratitude, those concepts that so often are just thought of as nice, good feeling concepts are really powerful energies. And those energies are always, always, always present when it comes to us accomplishing or being in flow. You cannot find a point in your life where things are working and a number of thriving components are not present. It doesn't exist. And so for us to become aware that optimism and a sense of possibility and hope are actual tools, they are tools that can literally be used in a way where in the midst of the surviving self, endeavoring to keep its world very small and controlled to the point that you can gain the self-agency, and that's what inner fitness is all about, gaining your self-agency. Gain the self-agency 
to be able to shift into your thriving self, then you, and science is now proving this, when you are operating from your thriving self, you are literally building gray matter in that part of your brain. When you are operating from your surviving self, particularly in a way that is habitual, as opposed to in service of an immediate need, you are thickening and growing your, the gray matter in that part of your brain. And so we want to be able to more deliberately and actively activate and grow the thriving self. And the infinite self, the infinite self is that part of us that if you've never heard this concept, I really do invite you to just let it sink in. But the part of us that has never been hurt, harmed, nor endangered. And that part is the birthless, deathless part of us. You know, if matter is neither created nor destroyed, then, and, and if in fact consciousness has, has been the reservoir from which everything else has emerged, then within us is a continuum of consciousness. And that continuum of consciousness allows us to access ourselves in these bodies without it disturbing or, or lessening that continuum of consciousness. And so when you think about the part of you that literally has been in existence since before time, that literally vibrates with the DNA of life itself. It allows you to envision or at least play with the idea that who you are is so much more than the image you see in the mirror. And if the surviving self's number one role is your physical safety, because the surviving self is not interested in you succeeding and making money, getting married, having kids, any of that stuff. It is its number one concern is your physical safety. And it doesn't care if you're happy. It just cares that you're alive. <laughs> and so if you can imagine that your surviving self, its greatest fear is your physical death. And yet you have within you this continuum of life that doesn't have such concerns at all. You really can begin to challenge this knee-jerk, handed-down, habitual fear about life. And then you will redesign your relationship with life and death. And in that redesign, you'll have more freedom to pay more attention to thriving than to always be concerned about what you might lose. And the most important thing I can say about surviving, thriving, and infinite self is that we move 
in and out of these aspects of ourselves all day, every day. And inner fitness is about becoming, um, having the ability to see that. And in seeing that, uh, begin to practice practices and ways of thinking and redesigning your beliefs so that you can, again, more proactively and more consciously navigate the reality of these aspects of yourself. Yeah, it has to be a daily practice. I see it so often, maybe just because entrepreneurs and artists are sort of they're out in their own journey. They don't necessarily have, you know, it happens obviously all across all disciplines. But oftentimes, you know, especially when we deal with like the material world and, you know, people, the finances, there's a lot of fear there for a lot of people. There's a lot of struggle. I found that for me, when when that was a, more of a struggle for me, it really was this idea that if I am thriving, my needs will be met. And so often we come from the idea that if my needs are met, then I can thrive. Yeah, that's uh, that's one of the lies in my book. Yes. One one day uh, when things are better, I will be happy. Yes. Uh, and that's a really big lie. And it's a trap mm-hmm. because what we do and you can see it, you can see this distorted, ineffective mindset in operation in our culture every day. People are trying, you know, people are moving towards that million dollars or that experience that is going to set them for life, you know, and when they have that money and when they have that power, then they will have all the pieces in place to create or equal happiness. But success and happiness, they operate from two different principles. Success is quite often a manifestation uh, process and happiness is a transformation process. And they intersect and where they intersect is where we are smart to do most of our work. But if you wait uh, to have the money and to um, you know, to have the respect and to have all the things that you feel you that you feel will equal happiness, you will get to that point as Michael Jackson did, as Elvis Presley did, as so many of them. And you will find that the unresolved issues from your life and most likely from your childhood and the distorted way in which those unresolved issues, those unresolved hurts, dramas, traumas, upsets, disappointments, and fears, how they impacted your thinking and your relationship to yourself and the world around you. The money doesn't change that. The career doesn't change that. The only thing that changes that is a intentional exploration of that stuff that allows you to come to the aha that that stuff has been lying to you, that distortions have been built in your mind, perceptions have been bought into, and that they have controlled your sense of yourself and your identity. 
in order for us to feel happy and to be fully alive, I like to say, you know, that the aim is to be fully alive. Well, to be fully alive means to have a sense of being confident and capable of thriving in your life. It means being able to let go of the past and take your power back from it. It means being able to truly access that most fulfilling part of yourself and to reclaim the parts that have been rejected or left behind. And to do that takes intentional inner work which is why inner fitness is so incredibly important. And I think often, you know, people go down that path largely because it seems like the quick fix, right? A lot of people are like, okay, well, if I get this, then this will make me feel better because the the work that you're talking about, though liberating on the other side, the there's part of it that is oftentimes painful, right? That there's, a, there's stuff that you have to look at that is, you know, lies that you've told yourself about the world that we live in. And stepping into truth, I mean, can't unsee what you've seen, but oftentimes I know for people that's a very scary process. And so what I want to just reaffirm for everyone is that the way that you have created the container of inner fitness is that it's not scary. It just makes sense. Just makes sense. It, it just makes sense. And what is funny to me is that people are already running as fast as they can from the things that are scaring them. <laughs> you know, they're running as fast as they can. They're trying to get to that level of success. You know, they're trying to prove that the experience that they had that, that, that shaped them as not good enough or, you know, distorted their sense of themselves that, that's not real or that they're getting back at the people who were, were the cause of that. And that's why they are driven, you know, to succeed and so on and so forth. That stuff is we're carrying that stuff with us every day. And one of the most powerful and informing experiences in my life was when a therapist told me, that when you are in a dream and this thing that we in we are in, let's just call it a dream, you know, um, this thing called life. But when you are in a dream and something is chasing you, the most powerful resolve for that is to stop running and turn around. And often in a dream, if you stop running and turn around, the thing will disappear into nothingness, or you will see it and you will see that it is nothingness. And so inner fitness takes the exact same, you know, tact. It says, instead of letting this stuff chase us, chase us to the point that we are literally terrified to stop and look at ourselves. We think that to stop and look at ourselves is to open some sort of Pandora's box that we will never, ever be able to recover from. That is a lie and a great strategy of the surviving self because the surviving self is only concerned with what it already knows. We don't need any new stuff. 
<laughs> we don't need any distractions. We can just spend a lifetime managing and navigating what we already know. Which is exhausting, that, by the way. It's exhausting. <laughs> it's exhausting. You know, and if we weren't already running, Denise, if we weren't already running, then the uh, amount of suicide that is experienced in this country, the level of depression, the uh, number of uh, people addicted to all forms of addictions, uh, that stuff, those numbers would not be as elevated as they are. And so it is, it is a lie that we are telling ourselves when we say that we don't want to stop and do that work because it's scary. The truth is we are terrified already and we don't trust that we can handle the truth of our lives. And that, if you read the little book of Big Lies, that is the biggest lie. You, we are, there is nothing bigger than the resource that we are. The thriving self, the infinite self has everything we need, including the surviving self. It has everything we need. We truly can, I like to say, we are innately creative enough to design and redesign our lives, resilient enough to weather any storm, empowered to choose and re-choose how we think, what we believe, and how we react to life. We are mystically whole, meaning, yes, right inside of us, the structure that we are, there is a reservoir of connection and support and we just need to access it. And as we begin to hold ourselves in this level of real esteem and do the kinds of work that helps us shift and just recalibrate our, the equation, you know, of uh, readjust the equation instead of the surviving self being large and looming and overshadowing the thriving self and the infinite self. We just flip it and we let and allow and appreciate the surviving self for all that it brings to our lives. But we allow and we work to build the inner fitness that lets the thriving self and the infinite self actually drive and create our worlds. I say that um, every day and every experience is the opportunity to either build or strengthen your inner fitness. And I agree. I think there's nothing greater than knowing yourself, than being fully alive. And when you know yourself to that degree, you can see where your fear comes in, you can start to see where the surviving self comes in. You have the opportunity to say, okay, I'm resistant to this. Why am I resistant to this versus giving into the resistance? There's no like good time to start. And I think that's what people are like, okay, when I reach this level of success, then I'll go to therapy or then I'll do this. And it's, this is a daily practice. This is not a, this is something that the whole world on some level, if they could incorporate a modality that worked for them, we could see real shift 
I think, in our society and in our humanity. Yeah, I, I love what you just said. And it, uh, it encourages me to encourage your audience to try two things. One is to uh, adopt a curiosity about what's called the observing self or the director's chair. And we all know what a director's chair looks like, right? You just climb into uh, the director's chair that hovers over above your life. And you watch your life in action like you're watching a movie. And when you take that more observer's seat, you get to see more of what's going on without judging it. You get to see, you know, if you're watching a movie, you know that there is uh, someone about to come through the door. You know, you know that there is this piece of information over here that the character over here needs to know and is uh, currently um, doesn't know. You know a lot of things. Well, when you sit in your observer's chair and you begin to observe your life objectively, you know, when you climb up into that chair, you tell yourself that you are climbing up to have a non-judgmental look at your life. And as you watch it, watch it like a movie and you'll begin to see your surviving self your thriving self and your infinite self in action. And just watch that. And a really powerful physical strategy that you can add to that observing when you are triggered, when you are caught by the surviving self, when you are overwhelmed with the worry, doubt, and fear. Literally take your index finger, your thumb, put them together, bring all your mind and attention to the rubbing of those two fingers against one another to the point that you literally can feel the, rid the ridges. If you were to go slow enough, you might even be able to count the ridges. You wanna give that kind of focus and allow yourself to feel the movement of those two fingers working together. And I assure you that as you do that, a level of calm, a greater level of calm will descend and it really will interrupt that overwhelm that has you caught in the moment. That is a way in which you begin to see how capable you are of shifting your state. And that little experience can encourage a more deliberate and intentional approach to learning the kinds of strategies that will allow you to pull your attention away from the, the, those sticky, um, habitual reactions and experience a level of self-agency and literally um, um, greater calm. And then you just practice more and more and more of that. Oof. This is 
so much wisdom. I'm going to have to re-listen to this multiple times because even though I know some of it, it's always good to, A, you've, you said some things that I didn't know, but also to go back and re-listen to the principles and the ways that we can apply them to our lives. We live in a country where being smart and being the smartest and knowing everything is so valued, but it's so distorted. And the idea that, that any of us will ever know all that there is that we need to know for managing our inner fitness, it's like saying, you know, we, we know everything that we need to know regarding how to stay healthy and strong. Well, we may intellectually know it, but the thing is, is that when it comes to these bodies, We've got age, you know, that, that, that uh, requires that we double down and learn the principles at another level, you know, for a, a different part of our journey. Uh, we are constantly being confronted with different aspects of our being. We are, who we are is the rabbit hole. And so as we, you know, uh, discover the depths of us and we peel back the layers on us, we will be called and have the opportunity to apply the principles that have worked at the more shallow levels of us. We will be called to apply those principles at a deeper level. And it's just endless. Well, it also being in living in your body versus understanding it cerebrally too. I think those things, they have to merge and that takes time and that takes a reiteration, right? Yeah. Repetition, repetition, and repetition. Well, one of my favorite things about you, Tina, is that you are endlessly curious and I love talking to you because we always end the conversation with that. We both know nothing. We both are just, we're just still learning, even though I learned so much from her. And so I'm going to jump into some rapid fire to do that, to learn a little, little more, just whatever comes to your mind and your heart. Don't think about it. What would you tell your 20 year old self? It's all going to be okay. Every single step will grow you if you let it. it, will grow you into the person you want to be if you let it. What's the last book you read? Oh, um, uh, White Rage. And it is so worth reading. It's so, it's full of information and uh, insights that really help to give perspective to these changing times. It's on my list. So I, I definitely one that I'm getting to. So I'm excited. What are you struggling with right now? I, I, uh, two things. Um, I was told years ago, you know, that building a business, if you're not at this point, three years from now, you know, maybe you should rethink your plan. And I am so glad that I did not uh, buy into that concept because the, the business that I'm building being the inner fitness project, it literally has had to wait for uh, culture to catch up to it, you know, to be viable, right? And so uh, right this moment, it's about me finding a team, a team for the long haul and making the bold asks of myself, making decisions that commit me because I don't really like being tied down, but in order to to really 
offer the Inner Fitness Project to the world in the way that I want to, I do have to make commitments. And so I am making those commitments. So those are things that I'm dealing with. And when you say struggling with, I, I let go of the idea of struggling. I mean, yes, it's challenging, but there is inside of me the built-in habit now of when that surviving self rears up and wants to take over in whatever area of my life, I have to do two things. I have to immediately, as fast as I can, interrupt that process. Um, because the quicker you interrupt the process, the less hold on you and the process the surviving self will have. For me, it's, it's stepping in and being bigger and owning my space always. Mm-hmm. I want to, before we jump into two more questions, you just really made me think of something because I believe inner fitness for you, it's not just a business. I got no. And I think this is a common, common lie and misconception we're told around business. And you're saying someone told you in three years it had to be X, right? And my business was the same. It wasn't just a business. And I think every company or thing that you start has its own soul and has its own timeline. So oftentimes people are too future, right? Culture isn't ready for what they have built or what they want to do. And I think that's a really important takeaway for everyone because we have a very cultural capitalistic mindset of what a business should be. And every business is on its own journey on its own time in the same way humans are. And I just think people need to remember that because if you're building from your soul, it's a different journey than if you're just trying to turn around like a three-year profitable business. Yeah, that is so well said, Denise, because you, you really have to decide what paradigm you are living from. And capitalism is not the paradigm that I am living from. I, you know, I love money. Uh, I, I know what it means to be profitable. Uh, I know what it mean, means to be fiscally responsible, all of that. But I am living from my belief that my ultimate purpose on this planet, the way in which I was uh, birthed and the way in which I contribute is to grow. That's how we measure success. And we can use pursuits like business, family, love, children, education, career, all of that. We can use those as ways to grow, but ultimately, to fulfill your purpose is to grow because that's the only way the species will, you know, be able to perpetuate itself. I'm, I'm laughing because I don't know if you remember, but maybe like two and a half, three years ago, you, we were talking and I tell, I'm struggling in my business. I'm having a hard time. I'm like, you know, really frustrated. And Tina just turns to me and I think it's funny now, but at the time it was like mind blowing. She was like, Denise, a paradigm shift does not happen in two and a half years. And I just sat there and I was like, oh yeah, duh. Like so humbling in the moment. And now I look back and I'm like, oh, it's so obvious. It's so obvious. But where I was, I was just so, you know, so blind and sort of willful. No, you weren't, you weren't blind. You were conditioned. Yes. That's the yes. American way. The unlearning. The unlearning yes. that I was like, I wanted this result. 
Yes. And it's been a beautiful journey of unlearning for me. And you were such a big part of that. So I just wanted to share in that moment because I think it's so funny now where I'm like, oh, yes, so obvious. But at the time, it was so not obvious. So thank you for contributing to that unraveling. Uh, It was very helpful. Okay, our next two questions. What is bringing you joy right now? Oh, breathing brings me joy. And that's an honest question. I mean, I am always having fun. She is. I, in, fact, <laughs> I, in fact, I have to tell you, I've never had a job. I mean, I had a job once when I was working as someone's PR protege, and that was just not me. But as an actress, I do what I love. And where inner fitness is concerned, I mean, I, I have two parallel loves. And both of them are clearly ways in which I get to grow in this world. And so I'm always having fun, even even when because I really understand and have come to have a level of of mastery around shifting, even in the midst of tears, in the midst of pain, there's a part of me that sees me, understands exactly what's going on, and is having uh, fun at figuring out the puzzle of this moment's shift. You know, what's the ask of this moment? Because if I ask it out loud, that unseen intelligence will support. Sometimes when I'm like uh, stuck, you know, and the overwhelm, is alive and happening. And I know, I know that it's all of the distortions having reared up. I start going through, okay, so what's the ask? You know, what's the what's the, the most efficient and effective ask for this? And when I ask, you can literally feel, I can feel this shift, the same kind of shift that you'll feel you know, as you begin to use this rubbing of the finger. And when you make that ask and really understand that, you know, the thriving self, the infinite self is right there to support the ask, you'll feel a shift. And, you know, sometimes getting to that shift is a bit like twisting in the wind, but I know what is needed. I know where I am and I know I can do it. And, and so there's a level of, of gain. Yeah. It's very true that also, I think the more you have the tools, the easier it becomes to navigate that. Yes. And the quicker, I mean, you know, in the beginning, it is a much longer, more weighty, you know, lift, but the more you work out, the more you build that inner fitness, the quicker your shifts back into congruency happen. You know, you shift much faster. And you and the, the better part is, is that you don't get confused about where you are. Yes, the overwhelming circumstances. Yes, they don't feel good, but you don't, they don't distort you because you don't buy into them and identify with them and become attached to their distortion or their lies. 100%. Yep, there's one more question. What is the best advice you've ever received? Okay, so this literally is my favorite 
of all quotes that I, and I'm, I do a lot of reading. I don't remember them all, but here is a quote that to me is exquisite advice. Faith is the most important thing there is, and you cannot get to the grandeur of its possibility through petty thinking and small ideas. And so the advice there is challenge the petty thinking, go for bigger ideas, reach for the miraculous because you get for what you get what you reach for and transform, expand your definition of what faith is. Don't let it get be caught in some old school religious definition expand what it means for you to walk in your skin on this planet in this cosmos with a level of faith i'm going to take us through our takeaways um quickly so i hope this this talk has convinced you to do a workout i think it's clear that this daily practice is really transformative and meaningful you own your spirituality and it is earned I love that. And I think that's something that sometimes people don't realize that you are the master of how you embody spirituality and how you show up in the world. Asking is a spiritual tool. So speak out loud with a well-formed question that is supported by an open heart that is so beautiful and so powerful. Navigate your dreams and your desires with questions. So going back to that asking is a spiritual tool and really dig into the surviving self, the thriving self, and the infinite self. It really, for me, was a game changer. And as anyone who's taken her inner fitness course knows that when they apply that to their lives, they start to see some incredible shifts. Success is a manifestation and happiness is a transformational process. I love that one. I think it's really important for us to start to change our definition of success, which is why I'm doing this podcast. I really want people to understand Success is so much more than material success. It's so much more than professional success. You are a successful person if you are kind, if you are spiritual, if you are truthful. And to take home her takeaway tip, when you start to see yourself in your surviving self, rub your forefinger and your thumb together and start to see the shift. Tina, I can't thank you enough for being here. I really hope, I mean, we went over because it was so good. I really hope people engage with your work. I always look to deepen my work with you. So thank you so much for being here. This really, really was a beautiful way to start my day. Well, thank you. I, and I'd love to just say that um, if if people are interested in finding out more about workouts, um, you can visit my webpage at www.tinalifford.com. Dot com. Um, my book, The Little Book of Big Lies, was released by HarperCollins in um, November of 2019. It is doing well. That book will serve you. It's full of strategies and, and well-articulated um, to-dos at the end of every chapter. We will include all those links on the podcast write-up uh, so everyone has access to them if they need them. So thank you so much, Tina. Denise, thank you so much. This was so much fun. So much fun. (laughs) Thank you all for listening. You can continue to listen and subscribe to Do The Work on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Stitcher. It makes a huge difference if you can review, if you can share and rate this podcast. 
Thank you so much to Entertainment Speakers Bureau, to Angela, to Nichelle, to David, to Matt, to Smart Post Sound, Lenny for that musical intro, Lindsay for the graphics. I am forever in gratitude. I hope you all find and continue to live in your purpose. Thank you.